right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here as we're getting you ready for KU Providence. We scoot out of the way early today at 4.30 is when Crimson and Blue is going to take over here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS, 629 tip-off, which, again, you can hear here you know, if on they wanted, our stations. They should have made it a two, uh, full two hours and done 4.29, but they're lazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad they're not because I would be even more upset that we had to get out exactly at 4.29. It's the stupidy of that. Uh, your RCST- it is weird. The MLB playoffs do the same thing. I know. I don't it's get like 4.09 for yeah. pitch. Like, come on. Uh, your RCST NCAA tournament coverage brought to you by Cycle Zone Power Sports, Big City Selection, Small Town Service on Bikes, Off-Road Vehicles, and Watercraft, located off Highway 24 in Topeka. Make that fun and exciting purchase you know you've been wanting for the spring and summer ahead with Cycle Zone Power Sports in North Topeka. Your RCST NCAA tournament coverage also presented by Panky Foundation Repair. What's the key to a strong team? A strong foundation. It's the same for a house. Get your home's foundation inspected today for free with Panky Foundation Repair. You can also give them a call and get a 10% off. If you mention you heard it here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk at 785-505-0577. That's Panky Foundation Repair. So last night goes a little bit haywire. Unfortunately, not haywire enough to take out Duke and end Coach K. Um, they that were sounded morbid, but you know what I meant. They were incredible. For the yeah. last eight, they, they were. They didn't miss a shot I've, in the final eight fifty-five. I think that was first off that that whole game. I want to give a shout out all to the team, to the way the teams play, but also the officials. That game. Now, look, if there are fouls, you got to call fouls. So some of it's on the players to not commit fouls. The I think it was the first half. The under twelve timeout in the first half came with eight seventeen left. That game was smooth. It was very smooth. It was a very good game. Duke ends up winning, but the big surprise is Gonzaga goes down. Houston beating Arizona is not a big surprise. By seed line, it's it's a pretty uh, big surprise there. Um, so now KU's the last one seed remaining. Just like everybody thought it would be. Yeah, right. Uh, so further opportunity has presented itself. I mean, we already know the bracket. If KU can get by Providence, because... Um, you know, to this point, you're playing to seed. You play a nine seed. You play a four seed, right? That's that's not really the bracket breaking open. If you win this game, then at that point, the bracket has sort of broken open. No other one seeds alive. You'd be playing a double-digit seed in the Elite Eight. It just further adds to the opportunity in front of KU. It further adds to the potential disappointment if they don't make it out, at the very least, of the Midwest region. And I also think it makes things a lot more nerve-wracking now for KU fans, especially because there is a lot of people, I think, who are flat flashing back right now to the 2011 season. Yeah, you're at a point right now where the Jayhawks, it, no matter what happens, they can put their blue jerseys away because they're not going to need them at all the rest of the year. No, Even even if they play, um, oh, that'd be three more games. Yeah, they'd be the home team no matter what. They, yeah, they're in the white jerseys the rest of the tournament, no matter when it ends for them. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, that was the year Ohio State got bounced in the Sweet 16 as the number one overall. Duke got bounced as a one seed in 2011. 
Pittsburgh was the other one seed. They lost to Butler in the second round. Um, you know, but it's um, I go back to even though the the Final Four that in 08 was uh, all four one seeds. Still to this day, the only time that's ever happened in the men's tournament. Um, in the bracket itself for KU, it, the region itself broke for KU. They played a twelve and then they played a ten. Um, and then obviously 2011, the region broke for them as well, and, and they, they didn't take advantage of it. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it is going to be more disappointing than it otherwise would have been if they fall short of at least New Orleans. And there's no other way around that. Um, and I just, you know, I, I, I go back to, um, you know, there was a time in my life where I would never say that because I would, oh, I don't want to jinx it. Um, but it's just a fact. You can't put it any other way. It's, it's you know, um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you take advantage of that. Sometimes you don't, and we'll see if they do. I I, th- I go back to it's going to be much less about overlooking Providence because I don't think that will be a problem, and it will be, the to me, it's going too far the other way and, and feeling too much pressure. They need to... Um, they need to play loose and, and just kick it around like they not, well not kick it around in a in an un, irresponsible sort of way, but just enjoy themselves and and flash what they have like they did in Kansas City in the Big Twelve tournament. Well, do you want the good stat or the bad stat first? Well, I, I I've got the show round down, so I have them both in front of me. Uh, but right. let's do a bad stat first. All right, let's start with the bad. Uh, this is Adam Sullivan. Shout out to you that came up with this um, or went back and researched it. The good last- first name, Adam. Yeah, the last two NCAA tournaments where not even one one seed made the Final Four were 2011 and 2006. Both of them featured a double-digit seed, an 11 seed specifically beating the one seed in the Elite Eight. There so if go. Kansas wins today, that's not ideal. Um, but here's the good stat. Since the tournament has expanded to 64, so what, like 30-something years ago, almost 40 years ago? 1985. Every season since it's expanded, has featured at least one one seed, one one seed, in the Elite Eight. So that's a positive for tonight. And if you want to keep going, and look, history is history until it isn't right. anymore. But if you want to keep going with things, if Kansas wins tonight, you're rooting for Miami because a 10 seed has never made the yeah. Final Four. Oddly enough, an 11 has, but a 10 has never made the Final Four, I don't believe. I thought Syracuse was a 10 seed in... Uh... Which, by the maybe way, they broke that no, record. That's maybe, another maybe bad they were stat. The first. Maybe Thank they were you for first. bringing up another bad stat. Syracuse was a ten seed in twenty seventeen, and they beat a one seed in the Elite Eight, and they beat a one seed from their same conference. Oh. So that would be like with Iowa State playing Kansas, even though it'd be the wrong seed, well, but a ten seed did make it. So how about this? Uh, how about how about KU just wins? How, how about, about that? How about that? How about you're you're playing? Uh, how about twenty twelve to get to New Orleans? You got to play. Two teams from schools that touch the Atlantic Ocean, NC State and North Carolina, could be I Rhode feel like Island we're, I feel Florida. like we're in one of those rooms where we have, like, a bunch of the push pins, yeah, we're, like, with yeah, all the, we're lock, like, uh, the spider webs. We're like um, uh, a beautiful mind. He's in a shed, and he's got <laughs> all that. The fact of the matter is none of that matters. Those players weren't here. Um, it just it, – you have to – you've got an opportunity – uh, you're a better team than Providence. Providence is certainly able or capable of beating KU. By the um, way, Adam Sullivan just reached out to me and he said, "Yeah, you're right. Syracuse was a ten, and they beat the one in Chicago. So they, so they were the. And it first, was in Chicago, was it? So they yeah. were they were the first ten. I mm-hmm. I could have sworn there was a longest stat where a ten had never made it, but an eleven had. Regardless, clearly I was mistaken, and Syracuse uh, made it as a ten. 
But the the fact of the matter is, um, look, what everyone I, I I don't I mean on Twitter it had only existed two years and it wasn't nearly as as uh, big as it is now. But in 2008, it was, oh, my God, KU makes a Final Four, and it just happens to be the year that all four one-seeds make it. Well, what happened? They won the national. They were the fourth overall seed, and they won the national title that year. So history is history until something changes it. Um, it so just, you know, you're good enough to beat Providence. You're good enough to beat every team remaining in this tournament, and every remaining team in this tournament is good enough to beat you. It just, you know, we'll yeah. see what happens tonight. Yep, go out and play well because it comes down to that. Providence, like you said, is more than good enough to beat you in this game. I will say one thing that's cool about this year versus other years, because I know we're like we don't have a show on Saturday to talk about, like hypothetically, if Kansas were to advance tonight, we don't get to preview the Sunday game as well. So that's where we're kind of We also didn't have that luxury uh, on Friday, even though KU played no. Thursday, Saturday. No, we did not. With Westwood One coverage. Um, but, like, in past years where, like, losing in the Elite Eight is such a big bummer because it's like you accomplished so much, you still had a phenomenal season, it never takes away from that. But the difference between the Elite Eight and the Final Four is so much. You get a banner if you banners make the Final at, Four. At, there's at, T-shirts, yeah. there's hats, at there's everything, school, right? I mean, banners, you know, mm-hmm. conference titles and Sweet 16 banners hang, depending on your program. KU's a programmer, banners... You know, you have a banner for conference titles, but you just keep adding years to it. Yeah. You don't make a new banner for each one. And you, if you lose in the Final Four, it's still like we still accomplished this yeah. big thing, right? You cut, you cut a net. Yeah, and that doesn't um, happen for winning the Elite Eight. But I will say this year is a little bit different because if KU does make the Elite Eight, you at least accomplish something that you can walk away with, which is you have the most the wins lead, in college yeah. basketball. So that's Who, kind of cool. Who's Kansas play in the Champions Classic next year? Um... I want to say it would be cool if it was Kentucky, but it's Duke. Because they played Michigan State this yeah, year. Yeah, that would be really cool if it was Kentucky, right? And then it was... Oh, yeah. But anyway, that's, but it, you that's know, what I But, um, yeah, I, I think you... Uh, but there's a lot to gain just in terms of this season. And I hope the players... I grant, I know they're just such big fans of our show, and I'm sure they tune in every day. <laughs> um, but I hope the players are thinking about getting to an Elite Eight. And then potentially getting to a Final Four. Mm-hmm. I don't. I hope they they came to KU. You know, you come to a program like KU for the tradition. So I hope it's it's in the back of their mind, like, oh, that would be cool. And I'm sure they after Creighton, somebody informed them that they tied Kentucky. And I, I'm sure they no. Thought that's that was more. Cool. It's more of a fan thing exactly. and an after the year thing. Right? But um, you. I mean, you know. But this, um, you still have everything you want to accomplish is is, is in front of you. You're alive right now. So let's talk a little about Providence. We're going to be uh, further previewing this game specifically throughout the show. Matt St. Jean, I don't know if it's St. Jean or St. John. We'll ask him when he comes on. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it. But he uh, does a podcast on Providence. He's an editor for Big East Coast Bias on SB Nation. We're going to have him join the show in about 10 minutes from right now. David Lawrence is going to come on at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. So we're going to talk plenty more about this. But just kind of quick look into Providence. Um, this is a team that can hit a lot of threes. They can catch fire. That's what they did against Richmond. They shot it well uh, against South Dakota State from three. Those are two teams that can struggle a little bit on defense. But for KU, we've seen at times this year they get a little lost on defense or maybe they get a little, you know, you have a a mental lapse. And if that happens against Providence with all the ball screen actions they do, they're going to get open threes and they're going to knock them down. In conference-only play, Providence ranked number one in the Big East at about 38% from the three-point arc. That's my biggest worry for tonight's game. The good news for Kansas is that Providence doesn't hit the – uh, defensive glass really hard, so KU should be able to get 
some offensive rebounds. Providence also doesn't force a ton of turnovers. We've seen a lot of games this year where Kansas has uh, racked up the turnovers offensively. Providence doesn't force a bunch, but again, the biggest worry for me is can you defend the three-point arc against the Friars? Yeah, and uh, that's, you know, you saw Creighton. Creighton you're, you're coming off a game where Creighton just heaved them from three and, and, and shot terrifically. Um, the Friars are a better three-point shooting team than Creighton. Um, so, yeah, I think defensively it's going. Now, the thing about a three-point, a, a team that shoots well from three-point land is e- even if you defend well, there's still a chance a good shot will beat good defense. And so you could also put yourself in a situation where even if you do well, Providence could still can some threes. And that means the offensive end needs to open up for Kansas, too. You need Remy to kind of continue. You know, look, if Remy scores 18 instead of 20, I'm not going to say, oh, God, he's slipping. Um, but you need Remy to continue to play very well, and you need Ochai. That, to me, is will continue to be the story. You need the Ochai Abaji that got you 15 points in the second half against Creighton. It's a good team, man. They uh, The game's against Villanova, who's an Elite Eight team. They lost twice, but combined seven points in the two. They, they, if you want some uh, optimism, they got crushed by Creighton. Yeah. Uh, they, but, again, everyone has an outlier. They beat Texas Tech. They beat St. Peter's. That's a Sweet 16 team. I mean, this is a good team. This is a team that's good enough to beat KU. And if KU's not, you know, hitting shots or Ochai's continuing to look tight or they're not defending the three-point line, that's how this happens. I'm interested because I, I've kind of run, you know, I, I've spouted again and again and again all week about um, – not playing too tight as opposed to potentially overlooking an opponent. What are you on that? Where do you stand on that spectrum? Like what, what worries you more that they're potentially overlooking or that they're too tight? And that leads to mistakes. I don't think KU would overlook them. They won the big East regular season. I I think this would more be about, are you tight? Mm -hmm. I really do. Um, That's, I mean, we've seen it before. How many elite eight games have we seen it where KU has looked tight and just nothing goes in. Now, the good news is they haven't really had those in the Sweet 16. We talked about yesterday. Bill Self has been fantastic. He's 8-2 at Kansas in the Sweet 16. He's been yep. fantastic in the first game of the weekend. Uh, I think 33-6 and six in the first game of the weekend, whether that's first round, Sweet 16, or Final Four. So that's the good news. That's what you got coming on your side. We're going to further preview Providence on the other side of this timeout. We're going to be joined uh, by Matt St. Jean on Rock Truck Sports Talk. You're listening in on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, and KLWN.com. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Truck Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN and KLWN.com with Adam Dravetta, Derek Johnson. We are joined now by Matt St. Jean, who is the editor for Big East Coast Bias on SB Nation, co-host of The Flex, which is a Providence podcast uh, to get kind of the other look of things with the Jayhawks taking on the Friars tonight at 629 here on KLWN. So, uh, Matt, thank you for taking some time to hop on the show today. Um, uh, what's been kind of the story for Providence this year? What's been the biggest strength for the Friars that has led them to this point in the season? I think the biggest strength of this team is probably the experience, the age. The The top seven players in this lineup, their average age is 23 years old. A lot of these guys are transfers who have experience with other programs, 
They're the seventh most experienced team in the country, according to Ken Palm, most experienced left in the field. And they've won a lot of close games. I know Coach Ed Cooley has credited the age, the experience, that leadership, with them being able to pull through in the clutch and finish out tough games that other teams haven't been able to. When I look at the, I guess, individual stats of all the players on the team, it's a very balanced uh, effort, specifically with the scoring. I think uh, six players or five players between like 9.9 and and 13.5 points per game. And then you add in Justin Minaya, who's getting a lot of minutes as well. Um, As far as the balance goes, you know, on average, that's where it is. But who's the player? Is there a couple players that maybe has the biggest potential of just kind of popping off on a given game such as tonight? I mean, it really is everybody. This team has had five different guys score 20 points in a game. Five different players have a double-double. Nate Watson's been the focal point of this offense for a few years now as the center. He's had a lot of big games in his career. A.J. Reeves is the highest recruit on this team. He scored 29 points in his first college game, hasn't reached that total since. But he's come close a couple times. He's a guy who has a penchant for hitting big shots. He can really knock them down. But, I mean, like you said, it's everybody they can get it done. There's the top six, seven guys on this team can really all score and can find ways to win a game for you. Yeah, Nate Watson's been a load the last few years with uh, Providence. How is he typically done against other traditional large big men? Because KU has one of their own in in David McCormick, and I'm curious uh, if there's a specific style or or type of big men that he has mostly dominated or or mostly played well against. Well, I think he's going to like going against McCormick. He likes going against guys his own size. He struggled a little bit in this tournament. He only has, I think, 16 points through the first two games, and that's mostly because South Dakota State and Richmond are undersized teams. And the Friars just went smaller in those games to kind of combat that. Watson likes going one-on-one against your best big. If you can get him the entry pass and let him work one-on-one, that's where he's most comfortable. And he's got, he's got a nice little hook shot. He'll work off the glass. He's got a lot of paint moves. But the smaller teams tend to double him, and that's where the Friars like to kick it into him and then let him find whoever's open on the outside for the, uh, the open three. I'm sure you and, and any Providence person is sick and tired of hearing the luck word. Um, I, I've always been a big proponent personally that, you know, good veteran teams, good coaches are going to thrive in late game situations. But, you know, there's also times where if you play too many close games, maybe it can be playing with fire. But Providence has been fantastic at, at those late game situations this year. Uh, what's it been like this season kind of dealing with the oddity around this whole conversation with late game scenarios? Well, first, it's not great for the heart watching all these close <laughs> games. This team's taken me some years off my life. Um, it's I t- tend to credit it towards the experience and towards execution. The, the two losses to Villanova, they didn't execute as well as they should have down the stretch. Villanova's one of the best teams in the country year in, year out. But by and large, the Flyers have faced younger teams and teams that aren't as well coached, and that's where it's kind of showing up at the end. They had a two-game stretch back in February where they beat Xavier and Marquette, and it was all because of plays that happened in the final minute. And it was just basic stuff. It was using Justin Minaya as the best defensive player on the team, using him to take away the opponent's best option, forcing a bad shot, getting a rebound, and then setting up the offense and working the way they want to, getting a high-quality look for one of your best players. They've done that all season. And I mean, that's why they have a 12-2 and record in games decided by five points or less or in overtime. 
You're not going to get there without a healthy amount of luck, but you're not going to get there without really good execution as well. When you look at the five losses that Providence has suffered this year, Virginia, Villanova twice, Marquette, and Creighton, is there is there a common theme that comes up in all those losses that led to some of the more down performances for Providence this year? I think there's two themes. The losses come in two categories. The Virginia, Marquette, Creighton losses, those were blowouts. None of those games were close. It was largely Providence's defense got exposed early, the team had to play from behind, couldn't hit shots, lost confidence, and things spiraled. That's, Ed Cooley's always preached defense into offense to build that confidence. They couldn't in those games. The two Villanova games, Villanova dictated the pace. Villanova played the way they wanted to. They played from ahead for most of those games. The first meeting, the game was within a score for the vast majority of it, but Providence only led for about a minute because they were just playing from behind and playing catch-up the whole time because Villanova is an elite offense. I think Kansas is one of the few other teams in the country that can do that to Providence. They can have a one-possession lead the whole game and keep it because they have guys that hit those shots. Uh, What was the pulse on the team after they did lose to Creighton by uh, nearly 30 points in the Big East tournament right before heading into the NCAA tournament? Was it... Was it kind of, you know, just deal with it, move on? Was it, uh uh-oh, what's going to happen? What was kind of the, uh, I guess, environment surrounding the team headed into the tourney? Surprisingly calm. Uh, The team had already had two blowout losses at that point in the season. After each of those blowout losses, they won their next eight games. And Coach Cooley, after the game, said, this is just one loss. It hurts, the big loss, but it is just one game. We're going to play more basketball after this. And... I think that was a night where Creighton showed up and the Friars just didn't. It happens sometimes. I think they all recognized that. They said, all right, time to go back to the gym. And we got games next week, so let's get ready for them. And in the two NCAA tournament games last week, defeating South Dakota State, defeating Richmond in the Richmond game, not really a game the whole way through. They just came out and kind of did what what Creighton did in that game. Uh, What went right for the Friars last week, and, and does it feel like they're ready to carry that over into this week? I think the biggest thing, the athletic difference that you have in the Big East compared to some of those smaller conferences showed the defense was stifling in both of them. They held South Dakota State and Richmond to their lowest point totals of the season, averaged like 54 points a game between those two. So when your defense is playing that well, you're going to win a lot of games. And then against Richmond, the shots were falling. And Noah Horkler, in particular, has been kind of red hot in the tournament. Everything has been falling for him. Uh, Al Durham has been playing well. He's playing through a sports hernia, and he's found his shot recently. I think those guys really found their stroke at the right time. Is there a individual player matchup for Providence tonight that you're most interested in, in how that could affect the result of tonight's game? It's going to be Justin Minaya on defense on Ochai Abaji. I mean, Abaji has been one of the best players in all of college basketball this year. And the Friars have not played somebody like him this season. They haven't played somebody as good as him in a while. And Minaya has been the defensive X factor. Ed Cooley puts him on your best player, regardless of size. I mean, he guarded uh, Jack Nungy at Xavier, who's seven foot one, and he's guarded small guards. He's guarded everybody up and down the lineup. Cooley puts him on your best offensive player, lets him go out and try to shut him down. He, he did that pretty well in the first two games of the tournament. How he matches up against Abaji, I think we're going to find out tonight. And so just from an overall perspective, outside of just the individual matchups, how do you see Providence matching up with Kansas and, and keys to the game from uh, your end of looking at things? 
I think the two teams match up really well. I think Kansas is pretty much just a little bit better at every position, but the teams play similarly. They're both well-coached. They both execute in the clutch. They're both experienced. They both have that kind of traditional center. They both have a sixth man that can come off the bench and score. It's Remy Martin for Kansas. It's Jared Bynum for the Friars. I think the game's going to be close, and it's going to come down to which team can kind of hit a couple of those clutch shots, some of those contested shots, and go above and beyond to make winning plays. He is Matt St. Jean. Matt, appreciate you taking some time and hopping on the show. Before we let you go, though, we do a uh, tradition with all our guests here. My co-host and producer, Adam Dravetta. Call it One Last Thing with Adam. All right, Matt, one last thing. Can you draw well enough to get into RISD? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I, uh, As a kid, I once showed my parents a drawing that I had done in middle school, and, and they openly laughed at me. So <laughs> wow. that was a pretty humbling experience. <laughs> I have no yeah. idea what you just had. What is RISD? So RISD, Derek, is uh, the Rhode Island School of Design, okay. one of the most prestigious uh, schools of its type in the uh, Seth MacFarlane uh, family ah. guy went there. Gus Van Zant, a very famous film director, went there. Uh, very famous art school. One of, I would argue, the, the best art school. in. It's certainly one of the five best in the country. There we go. The more yeah. you know. And they have, they have an interesting mascot for their, uh, their athletic program. They are the NADs. Yeah, so oh, you go to that's the, them. Okay, you, you chant go Nad. Yeah, go to the there we go. go to the game. There we go. Well, Matt, thank you for the uh, knowledge. Thank you for hopping on the show, and appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's Matt St. Jean. He's the editor for Big Coast, Big East Coast Bias on SB Nation, and the co-host of the Flex, which is a Providence podcast. Thank you, to Matt, for coming on. With Adam Dravet, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. More KU basketball talk next. Thank you to Matt for hopping on the show. We're going to be joined by David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network at the top of the 4 o'clock hour to check in there. He'll be on the uh, pregame at 4.30 with Sean Kellerman here on KLWN and our sister station, 105 and KISS. Uh, quick update yesterday, our daily poll. The video came out, Ochai Agbaji, or Otsai Agbaji, um, said that that's how you pronounce his name, Otsai. But we put it up for a poll. Will you call him Ochai or Otsai? And 77% said they're still going with Ochai. I don't blame you. It's been so long. If you wanted to change it, you should have said it as a freshman. Well, I, I don't think – see, that's the thing. He he didn't – I don't think he cares Exactly. He Ochai. didn't put yeah. it out there as, oh, everyone's been calling me wrong. I need to be called this. Yeah, I think he was just asked. It yes. just happened to be a question. I think he doesn't mind or else it probably would have – Come up earlier, right? mentioned it earlier, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he uh, – I think he doesn't mind. It was just that people were interested, and he answered the question. Okay, so our daily poll today. I don't know if if you saw this, um, but Duke on their Twitter account because Patrick Mahomes said on his Twitter, I think it was yesterday. He it was, said it was uh, after it was that after Arkansas had beat Gonzaga. Okay, he was like, if 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 we win, we're gonna roll through San Francisco. Talking or about like Tech, that. yeah, basically saying that because they're playing in the West, they would be playing in. Uh, in San Francisco, so if Tech wins, he was going to basically go to the Elite Eight on Saturday, right? Um, Duke quote tweeted it and went back, and apparently they found. I'm sure they've been sitting on this for a while and been waiting for the right time to to do it. Um, they went back and found a picture of Patrick Mahomes with his wife Brittany, and he's wearing a Duke jersey in it. There's also a past tweet from 2013 of Patrick Mahomes saying something along the lines of, like, let's go Duke. So that's not ideal. Um, 
Now, also, here's the other thing that happened. Drew Gooden, you know, former Kansas great player, he tweeted this out on March 20th. So what would that have been, like five days ago? Um, yeah. Also, for the record, Drew Gooden is freshman year uh, lost to Duke in the NCAA tournament. This makes this worse. As an eight, Kansas was an eight, Duck was the one. I never thought in a million years that I would say, I want Duke to win the NCAA tournament. Coach K deserves to go out on top. He's been on top enough. Which, okay, here's the daily poll. Which Duke love is more upsetting, Mahomes in a Duke jersey or Gooden wanting Duke to win? I think, I'll say Gooden, and I think Gooden wins in a landslide. Well, I mean, we're tweeting from a KU account, right? Yeah. I think, I mean, because right now, uh, you know, K, you know, there obviously are tons of KU fans who also cheer for the Chiefs, but I think Kansas fans are used to in basketball season, because look, Mahomes has come to KU games and cheered for KU, and then he clearly cheers for Tech when, when Tech is playing KU. So I think by now... Kansas fans are used to, at least when Kansas plays Tech, are used to Mahomes cheering against them. Not not against them, yeah. but in favor of the opponent. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, if these tweets are in 2013. To have a guy who's ra- who went to a Final Four with Kansas, whose rafters or whose jersey hangs in the rafter of Allen Fieldhouse, say that? <sighs> Nonsense. Which it's, it makes even less sense because I'm sure you've heard the Nick Collison story. A lot of people have, just in case you haven't, I'll just tell it. The story about when Nick Collison called Coach K to tell him that, you know, he was picking Kansas, he wasn't going to go to Duke. And instead of Coach K being like, well, good luck, congratulations moving forward, like, I wish you would have come here, but still wish you the best, all that stuff, right? The typical stuff you, you think about in recruiting that, you know, classy coaches say. He instead is like, well, I don't care. We're recruiting some other guy that I, I've never heard of before, so I can't imagine he was like that great. Um, and then in Nick Collison's senior year, they beat Duke in the Yes, they did. But that he was teammates with Nick Collison, so there's no way that story didn't get told from one to another, oh, right? Oh, yeah. That's disappointing. The, the, the Mahomes thing, like I said, if that was from like nine, ten years ago, okay, cool. He was, uh, he was a teenager who rooted for some and, Duke and, basketball, right? Well, and it's, even that sports uh, memorabilia are yeah. fashion. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is disappointing with Drew Gooden. I am not okay with this. Not okay with this. Um, so we'll see what the daily poll ends up being. Okay, uh, there was a bunch of audio that we didn't get to get you to yesterday. We did let you listen in to Bill Self, um, but there are also players that Cooley spoke with the media. I wanted to kind of go through some of the the best of the clips here and kind of getting help prepped for the game. Um, as I've mentioned, the biggest key to me for KU is guarding the three-point line in this game. And we know, you know, there's only so much you can do, as you alluded to earlier in the open, like, I think the exact thing you said was good offense is going to beat bad or good offense can beat good defense, right? So even if you have a good contest on a three, they can still make it. But over time, the more contested threes you give, the lower percentage they are going to have. So get out and guard their threes, guard their three actions. They have some really good guy. This Horkler kid is kind of like a stretch four. He doesn't shoot off the dribble, though. But he is great at getting the ball off movement, off screens, firing up threes. You have to get out on these guys. Here's what Bill Self had to say about guarding the three-point line for Kansas today. You know, you, you, you have to – We well, for us, we have to have great switches. you got to switch to take something away rather than let them catch and then react. And, and then the other thing, you, you can't allow – they're going to make threes, but you would rather get them off the bounce, force them to get them off the bounce and off the catch. So – uh, you know, be there on the catch where there's very, very short closeouts, if any. 
that's going to be key for tonight. And we have seen times where the KU defense has maybe fallen a little bit asleep off the ball or... By the way, the kid you described, what was his name? Horkler? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Off screens and, and not necessarily off with the, off the ball, but off screens and, and running around. That's the guy you put Travis Relliford on. And yeah. Unfortunately, this team, this team doesn't, doesn't have, have one. Trevor, Travis Relliford. Get Marcus Garrett for one game, please. Um, by the way, it's so funny to me that just back to that idea of having like the stopper. I know this is off topic, but you see North Carolina go into the Sweet 16. Brady Manick had like 26 in the first round, 27 in the second round, and he didn't even get to play the last like 10 minutes of either because one was a blowout, the other he got ejected. Remember the game where KU literally put Marcus Garrett on Brady Manick and it was such a deterrent for Oklahoma that Lon Kruger took his best offensive player and sat him in the corner just to keep Marcus Garrett away from the action. That was hilarious. But, yeah, KU doesn't have one of those guys. Now, here is what Christian Brown echoed about KU getting stops and how they're at their best when they can do that. Yeah, I would say that it's, it's uh, really important, especially this next, this next game. You know, they run a lot of really good sets, um, and we got to do a really good job of focusing on talking and communicating on switches and um, and stuff like that. So uh, it's really important that we do, you know, hold these teams to those low numbers, um, especially Providence. They shot the ball really well last game, um, you know. So it is, it is a big, a big focus of ours to focus on defense because um, we know when we get out, uh, we get stops, we get out in transition, we can run, and um, that's when we're at our best. So when we get stops, that's when we're at our best. Yeah, and you hope it's not just lip service that that up being the case for tonight. Um, KU's defense though has a lot better in the recent games. They played well in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, they played well in a couple games down the stretch, like the Texas game. They don't win that senior day game without the defense playing really well. And even though the Creighton game saw Creighton score a lot of points, it's not because, I mean, Creighton was shooting below 40% from two-point range. They were just hitting a bunch of threes, right? And KU was able to, um, you know, limit them enough inside that that maybe was the difference in the game. So they need the defense to play better. Ed Cooley, the Providence head coach, was asked about the KU defense. Number one, they're good. Number two, they're physical. They play somewhat like Villanova off the ball, how they switch and how they communicate. I, have, I think they have great length. So we're accustomed to the switching style of which they have. Um, you know, I mean, they're very talented, you know, and, and they should be. They should be talented. They're here. They're in a sweet 16. Uh, this is something that their program is accustomed to. And it's something, as, as I'm sitting here as a head coach, I'm learning what it is to be in this environment. My, my kids are learning. Our program's learning. And that's part of process. Yet, that stands out to me. You know, just, just defensively, they're really good. They're disruptive. They guard the three-point line really well. Um, you know, we're going to have to really work hard to earn our points. So, um, it's a hell of a challenge, but a great opportunity. And it's scary when you go back and watch highlights of what Providence just did offensively against Wind. It was a clinic, got guys open, everything was was really working with their different actions, setting screens for everyone. Uh, it was a three-point barrage, and you know we've seen enough of those going against Kansas, including just last game against another Big East team in uh, Creighton that makes you scared a little bit. Uh, Ed Cooley was asked about what happened in that Richmond game to cause that to go, and he just kind of said everything clicked. You know, in sports, as you know, sometimes there's games where everything clicks. I mean everything. Water doesn't spill on the floor. You know, you're loved by your family. You're not getting cussed out. You know, it's, 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 we had everything go right for us that day. The energy of which we played, the ball went in the basket. I don't know if it was so much of what we did. It just was our day. And we all have been there in sports. Sometimes you're not there. 
and sometimes you are there, and we picked the right moment to play one of our better games that we've played in a long time. So I don't know if it was anything we did special. I thought our focus was good. I thought our preparation was great. And then when the ball starts going in the basket like that, the game really changes. So I don't know if what we did well, it was just, it was Providence College's day. Hopefully it's not their day today, right? Um, that's the defense, and that is my biggest worry for this. Now, offensively, my biggest worry is just, is KU tight or not? Um, Providence is is not the best transition defense, so if KU is able to get out in transition, they're already lethal. That becomes twofold in a game like this. Uh, Bill Self was asked about the Providence defense. Here's what he had to say. You know, they're big. You know, uh, uh, when they've got Durham out there at the point, uh, that's probably as big a big a group as we long a group as we played against this year you know Texas Tech would be somebody that would rival that uh that would that would put them I could be off a little bit but basically six four six 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 seven six eight in the backcourt so that that's that's a long team uh uh, they have good quickness Uh, okay so Providence yeah they're long they have a big man inside that can go toe-to-toe with David McCoy that's the other thing that scares me if this is a bad Dave game you're going to get abused inside by Nate Watson, and you really need this to be a good Dave game. Um, there's a lot riding on that, which we know it's been a little bit inconsistent for a guy who has a messed up foot. You can't always count on that. This was Jared Bynum. He uh, is one of the good guards, one of the good players for Providence. He was talking about the KU offense as it retains to the Providence defense. Yeah, offensively, I say they have a lot of weapons that you got to prepare for. You know, of course, they have an All-American, but at the same time, they got other guys that are that are good as well. So you kind of got to prepare for multiple things. And I think transition transition defense is going to be one thing that, you know, we kind of have to hone in on because, you know, they're they're athletic and they play good defense. So for them to get out and transition in the open court, they can find shooters and get to the rim and finish and make plays. So that's going to be a strong task at hand. Yeah, if KU can make it a transition game, I feel like their chances. The good news, KU, maybe positive vibes, and maybe this goes in line with the, you know, not playing tight because Bill Self loves Chicago. He loves Chicago kids. He loves recruiting Chicago guys. He spent time there when he was at Illinois, has play, or coached in a lot of games there, whether it's been Champions Classic games or whatever for KU, a lot of games that Illinois would play there. I just thought it was kind of interesting that uh, Bill Self kind of reminisced on his time at Illinois and, and kind of waxed poetic on his love for Chicago. When I was in, in, in Champaign, and of course we came to the city a lot, and you guys don't care about this, but since you ask, every time driving up and, and seeing the skyline, I used to think, man, there is some stuff getting done in this city. This is where action happens, and, and whether it be recruiting business or whatever, and I always liked that. I loved Chicago. And, uh, you know, we had some great games here when I coached in here and, and, and uh, in the United Center and uh, uh, the Illini certainly supported uh, uh, us. The fans certainly supported us in an unbelievable way in this building. So I have great memories of the United Center. And we played, you know, we played relatively well here. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, it was the right move for me to do what we did. Uh, I doubted it. You know, buyer's remorse for a while because you never know because of what – the situation we left behind was pretty good, uh, uh, as you all know. But but uh, uh, it's it's been it's worked out well for us, and and certainly uh, uh, I'm very proud of the of, of the time I had in uh, Champaign, even though it was limited. But I I, I, I still have a, a lot of people that I'm very close to here, and, and you know I, I said this before, and I mean this. Uh, 
you know, San Antonio's been really good to us, and, and there's other places that are that that have been good to us and, and, and playing regional in different areas. But this was my hope that we would be in Chicago. This this is about as good as it could be for me personally, and for our fan base being right here. I don't know if any of that does matter and keep a team more loose, but if the coach is more loose, if the coach is happier, that can't hurt with the players. Yeah, he's going to be in a good mood. He's like you know he's 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 giddy. He's excited. I'm sure he you know. Flying in, he probably looked at the window at that same skyline. I mean, <laughs> be grand. feeling good. All right, uh, real quick, you can also vote on our poll at RCST 1320. Early lead, Drew Gooden, about 85% of the vote. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, only 30 minutes to go. We're out early today for pregame coverage of KU and Providence here on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by David Lawrence. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN in just a little bit. Going to scoot out of the way for pregame coverage. Crimson and Blue show starts at 4.30 here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. David Lawrence, Sean Kellerman will carry that up until Brian Haney and Greg Gurley get on the call. Tip-off scheduled for 6.29, which I, I still am trying to figure out why 6.29 as opposed to 6.30. But nonetheless, we are joined by David Lawrence, who you will be hearing from. Uh, as he gets ready for the game against Providence. So, David, as you get ready for this game against the Friars, what's the the kind of biggest thing that you're looking at from Providence and, and keys to the game for KU to kind of get by? Well, it's great to be on with you. You know, I think in, in listening to all the pressers yesterday, you know, Ed Cooley has been riding the, the edge of lack of respect, you, you know, um, Villanova, you know, got more respect than they did, despite the fact that uh, the Friars were the league champs, you know, that, that Kansas is favored. And so he's really riding that. And Bill Self basically countered and said, you know what, that stuff doesn't fly. Everybody respects Providence right now. Uh, I even asked him one question and uh, about what makes Providence a uh, tough matchup in the Sweet 16. And, you know, he went on about just, how his players are so exceptional and so coachable and, and, uh, you know, have such great chemistry and they talk more about lack of respect. And then he finished, uh, on a, on a roar and said, uh, drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) You'll hear my uh, question and answer in a drop the mic moment. I, I think for Kansas, it's, you know, we are starting to play a Bill Self defense and making the other team play ugly. And, you know, his grading scale is so difficult. He's not willing to say that we're there yet, but he said we're gaining on that. And then, you know, it's just like a Hall of Fame coach to <laughs> bring out a all-conference or even all-American caliber player just when you're starting March Madness. He couldn't have timed it better, obviously, you know, it wasn't his choice, but it just kind of worked out for him that he's got an insertion of uh, one of the best players that are still playing in college basketball and Remy Martin. So a lot to feel good about, you know, what does that mean in a 
40 minute stretch, you know, it really doesn't, you know, they're making shots and we don't, um, you know, that's the way it is. But I think our conference is definitely stronger than the big East. Our offensive numbers are definitely better than Providence's and our defensive numbers are very comparable. Uh, but again, in a 40 minute window, you know, you, you got to go out and demonstrate that. I, I don't know if you've been walking around Chicago or seen fans there or anything, but I'm curious how the the fan uh, attendance is going to be for this game. I would imagine Iowa State is going to have a ton of fans there. I would imagine Kansas will have a ton of fans there. Um, I don't know the situation for Miami and Providence. Uh, what do you think the crowd is going to kind of be like tonight? Oh, that's great. Uh, you know, it would be interesting to see if Cyclone fans cheer for us. And my yeah. guess is they will not. Um <laughs> You know, they don't like us. We used to be kind of like the friendly rivalry, but that's that's not the case anymore in basketball in particular. Uh, and understandably, you know, they get by, and they're a slight favorite, I think, over Miami. I mean, they get by. They, yeah, they don't want to play Kansas. So, yeah, certainly they're going to cheer against us. Everybody's going to cheer against the one seed, and we're the only surviving one seed. I think we are going to have uh, – a large throng of people. I, I would say similar to Iowa State, they've got about, you know, um, about half the drive is what uh, we would have. Uh, and, you know, the resurrection of the Cyclones, who are 15-0 and outside the Big 12 Conference. I think what they lose, eight straight in conference? I mean, they, they were just dead, buried in uh, DOA. But, uh, man, they, they have won a couple of big games. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a live crowd. Uh, certainly Kansas will have a lot more uh, there than the, the Friars. But, uh, again, I'm guessing that, you know, the, the other three schools represented will all cheer for the Friars. For KU to win, what player would be required that he has to play well today? Well, you know, obviously it's a cumulative effect on, on guarding the three-line and uh, I, I think we got a good test of that with another Big East opponent in, in uh, Creighton. Um, you, you know, I, I think David McCormick, uh, you, you know, a true big matchup with Nate Watson. You know, he hasn't attempted a three this year, so, you know, it's a, it's a true center matchup. And, yeah, I would say that would be the biggest matchup. He's maybe their best player. And uh, D-Mac, obviously, is just, you know, I think he's mostly on target now. And I think he plays better unless, uh, unless that big is uh, incredibly athletic and goes outside, which I don't think Watson does. So I, I think it's David McCormick. And, uh, and then again, just, just, just more Remy, more toughness, be tough-minded, and, uh, you know, play every bit as hungry as the Friars. We're talking with David Lawrence here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I, I did want to ask you, we had you on earlier this week, and uh, kind of technology went kaput on us, but uh, the KU women's team season came to a close over the weekend, but, man, they were in it with Stanford there for a while, down two at halftime. They, they win their first NCAA tournament game in almost a decade. It was the largest win in an NCAA tournament game in program history, so obviously a great season for the KU women's team. What would you say to kind of memorialize the season that they had? Well, you know, it's been the biggest jump up in, in record and 
wins and conference standing of of any Big 12 team since uh, its existence. Um, you know, the future is bright. All the major um, contributors are going to be back next season. Uh, but a lot of teams are, are going to be better. K-State's very young, and they're going to be all back. Uh, Iowa State's got a lot of people back. and You, you know, I, I don't think there's quite the rush to get to the WNBA, and so it allows just a lot of players and teams you know, to to get that extra year out of uh, out of their players. So uh, Kansas is just going to be better, but I, I can't say that a lot of teams will also be better. But uh, yeah, to get uh, that quality win over Georgia Tech and actually have a very temporary, short-lived one-point lead at the beginning of the second half and. Lexi Hall went for a career high, just went off on a on a lifetime best. Um, and that that's what really, you know, blew it away and you know, they they um blow us out late. But also it needs to be said, it's a very different situation, you know, in the fact that in those sub regionals the best team hosts. So just think about all the you know, the 1-8 losses that Kansas has suffered, you know, there's a few of them, uh, it would not have happened if we were playing in Allen Fieldhouse. So I'll just leave it at that. You know, uh, you have that luxury of the of the high seed, you know, choking when you get ahead or whatnot when you're on that neutral court and all the uh, neutral fans will cheer for the underdog. And that's, that's just not the case when you're playing in Stanford in front of their hometown crowd. So uh, a little bigger advantage in the women's game, but uh, nevertheless, uh, man, uh, wisely chosen as the Big 12 Women's Coach of the Year and Brandon Snyder, and uh, his program is just going to continue to take off. And, you know, they'll be competing with the league's best, but actually they did that this year. Got a win against Texas, should have beat Baylor. Iowa State's the only one that really got us two times. Uh, so I, I just expect that to continue to get more competitive, and you know, it's there's going to be talk of uh, a chance to to win a title in Lawrence, Kansas, in in both men's and women's. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Well, uh, David, we're not going to keep you too long here as uh, we're getting close to starting the Crimson and Blue show. Before we let you go, though, we have to continue on our tradition here. One last thing with Adam. All right, David, one last thing. Has Haney ever startled you when he grasps onto you during an exciting moment of a football game? Has he ever startled you? Yeah, has he ever startled you? Because whenever, whether it's you or Gurley, when an exciting moment's happening, he kind of latches onto the person he's calling the game with. Does that ever, ever startle you? Uh, not so much, but yeah, he did grab me. I'm sure I grabbed him uh, <laughs> on the final, on the two-point conversion in the Texas game. That's, so. that's what came to mind when I was thinking about this question was that moment. Yeah, it's a, it was. And, you know, people that have heard me over all these years know that, uh, uh, you know, it's a big part of my life, Kansas football, and I'm excited. I have been to some practices, and uh, we're just we're just getting better. And the spring game's not far off, uh, but but you're going to see just a, a team that, unlike the year before, when you know uh, Lance Leipold 
just arrived, so we couldn't really do anything about some guys that left us in the portal, and it was too late to really get guys in the portal except for the Buffalo players. Uh, that happened uh, just conversely different this season, and you're going to see some notable defensive players uh, that are going to be that are already on campus. You'll see them in the spring game, and uh, it, it's we're, we're just getting it going to be better. And you know, again, I'll be some teams that will also be better in the Big Twelve, but uh, this program is on the rise. Uh, they're going they're already gaining more respect, and it's. It's, it's just going to get better and better uh, because Travis Goff, I mean, he, he might be the MVP of the whole thing because he made it happen with the great hire of Leipold, and Kansas football is ascending in the future. He is David Lawrence. Again, hear him on the Crimson and Blue Show starting shortly here on KLWN and our sister station 105.9 Kiss. David, thank you for the time. Yeah, and uh, – also, Kevin Harlan will be one of my guests. Uh, we go way back when I started my career with Tom Hedrick in 1982. I was actually a grad assistant football coach. Tom asked me to be his analyst. He got approval from the head coach, Don Fambro, and um, didn't really know anything about it. But in home games, we had a senior in college, one of Hedrick's favorite students. He was our sideline guy. And didn't know him at the time because I was really just a coach. But it turns out to be <laughs> Kevin Harlan. So we go back to 82. So there you go. There we go. So stick around for that. Well, DL, uh, have fun tonight. Don't chew up the town too much and enjoy some deep dish. <laughs> we'll do. All right. Take care, guys. All right, that was David Lawrence. We're going to take a quick time out here. When we come back, we'll do some quick Sweet 16 previews for the games today. With Adam Dravet, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. I right, don't have enough uh, time to really get into everything here the rest of the show. We're out of 430 for pregame coverage here today. So real quick, we're going to go through all the Sweet 16 games. Uh, first, though, we should probably start last night. Gonzaga loses, Arizona loses. And then Villanova and Duke both advances two seeds. What was your biggest takeaway from last night's games? How good Duke was, uh, particularly the last 10 or so minutes of that game. That that whole game was fantastic. Probably the game of the tournament so far. Um, and then just Duke was was incredible. R- truly incredible the last eight or so minutes. Um, they, I said yesterday, I think Nova might be behind Gonzaga as the best team left in the field. I might still feel that way, but Duke is really... And that would put Nova now as the best team left in the field now that Gonzaga's out. But um, Duke's right there with them. I've now seen enough, especially with Gonzaga getting upset by Arkansas, that I think Duke is just going to win the title. It's it's meant to be Coach K's last year. It's disappointing. It's sad. Tell you, the conspiracy theorists are going to be out if it they happens. Are. I will say it would be very fitting if Arkansas upset them. Um, Arkansas, Jalen Williams took a bunch of charges. He always does. And that basically fouled out Chet Holmgren last night. I think he has over 50 charges taken this year, which is an incredibly high number. How ironic would it be for Duke in their final year with Coach K to lose to a less athletic team that falls over? You know, because that was Coach K for a while, right? The less athletic team. So uh, we'll see what happens there. The Houston-Villanova game, I I don't know that it'll be an entertaining game, but it should be a great game. For the purpose of history, do you know who Coach K won his first national title against? Um, was it UNLV? No, was that the Final Four game? It was Kansas, right? It was Kansas. Yeah. Oh no, he's gonna. <laughs> Kansas makes the final. He's gonna win his first and last. That would be the worst thing ever. 
You just ruined my whole day. Okay, uh, the Sweet 16. time. Kansas takes on Providence. We've spent a lot of time talking this game. I think the line's down to six and a half for this one. Um, we've talked kind of enough about this. I'll, I'll just say this. Like, I'll reiterate it. Three-point line going to be key today on both ends of the court. Uh, you need a good Dave game, and you just have to execute. You have to execute, and you have to play loose. It's that simple. As far as what looks ahead, Kansas, if they do win this game, I don't really have a preference for who they would face in the Elite Eight. Uh, you know, you root for one team and then they end up beating you in the next round. If you get Iowa State, that helps you from a preparation standpoint, but also they almost beat you in Allen Fieldhouse. You get Miami, that's a team who really thrives in transitions. That could be a really fun game. Two teams that thrive in transition. Charlie Moore revenge game. It's a team who plays small, has a bunch of good shooters. That would scare me, but you're going to play somebody good in the Elite Eight, so we'll deal yeah. with that if you get there. Just cheer, focus on tonight. I cheered like hell for uh, after Kansas beat Marquette in the early game in the 3 Final Four. I cheered like hell for Syracuse because I didn't want to play Texas again. Obviously, we all know what happened there. So, yeah, just focus on Providence. Um, get that win tonight, and, and whatever happens, happens. And, you know, that's all that matters right now is about uh, two hours and six minutes from now. Yeah, and I don't have a clue what's going to happen in the Iowa State-Miami game. I Miami's favored by, I think, three points. Like I said, Miami has more shot makers. Uh, Brockington is just such a clutch shot maker, though, for Iowa State. The defense is so good. I could see them getting into Miami's chest. They're going to have probably the home court advantage, so to speak, but I don't really have a lean either way there. Uh, the East is going to be interesting tonight. I don't really think the Purdue-St. Peter's game is interesting. Purdue's favored by 13 points. I think Purdue wins by 20-plus. Do you agree? It is National Peacock Day. You're right. It is National Peacock Day. I mean, last year we saw an example of a 15 giving a 3 all they could possibly handle in the Sweet 16 and Oral Roberts. Um, I think Purdue's defense is going to catch up to them, or lack thereof, is going to catch up to them at some point in this tournament. But the the bracket, at least that half of the bracket, is broken wide open for them. I think, yeah, I think they claw over St. Peter's. I'll be honest, whoever wins the North Carolina-UCLA game, I'm picking over Purdue for the same reason you just said, the the defense. Um, I like UCLA, though, to beat North Carolina. I think it'll be a good game. UCLA's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Brady Manick is able to play, so that's going to help them out I a lot. I don't necessarily agree with, but it will. you're right, it will help them. He's been really good in the tournament. Um, I, to be clear, I disagree with him playing. I don't disagree with your assertion that it'll help him. It clearly will help UNC. UCLA slows down the pace, so they're going to control the pace against a team who wants to get up and down. They will switch and, and hunt switches and get the right matchup, and they're kind of a, an anti-moneyball team. They'll take mid-range jump shots, um, but they hit them at a high rate. They have the experience. I, I was kind of wondering if we were going to get a UCLA-Gonzaga Final Four rematch. Obviously, that's not going to happen anymore. But I I think right now, I like UCLA to make it out of the East. I like Duke to make it out of the West. I like... Man, I have no idea who's going to win the Houston-Villanova game. I think I'm leaning Houston. Nah. I don't know. Let's, let's Talk see. to me tomorrow. I'll switch it. Yeah, yeah. And then I... I don't even want to pick the Midwest. I keep you know. I, I've been going back and forth all last. I mean, I've been going back and forth all week about how I feel about tonight's game, and we'll see what happens. Would you take Providence with the six and a half points? Especially now, probably yes, because I think uh, the money, the fact that it went from seven and a half to six and a half, tells me that money is going in on Providence. 
It's possible that some extremely rich bettors have moved the line intentionally so they can turn around and bet more on Kansas minus six and a half rather than minus seven and a half. Uh, Cause that is something that is a strategy that some of the super wealthy bettors do uh, or use, but I don't know. I, I, um, yeah, I think I mean, Providence is good enough to keep this thing close. Yeah, they are. Um, we've seen a lot of KU games, the speed 16 where they have blown out their opponent. I mentioned the, the stat that Matt Tate dug up the other day where in the eight Sweet 16 wins for Bill Self at KU, average margin of victory is 14 points. I mean, think back to the Purdue game uh, from a few years ago, right? Oh, 2018 was a close one. Um, and 2008 then, was a blowout. Oh, 20, uh, 20, 2007, it was uh, the four seed was Southern Illinois, and it was, was a close one. It was a one. It was a three three point game. I think this one will err on the side of being closer, and that scares me a lot. I would take Providence with the points because you're playing a Providence team that, yes, we can talk all about this. Are they lucky? They've had all these close wins. Well, do you want to play them in a close game? Because I sure don't, and I think that might be the case tonight in Chicago. All right, that's going to do it for this week's editions of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You can check out anything you missed on the Best of RCST podcast. We'll be back Monday, hopefully, with some uh, exciting stuff to talk about. Of course, you can hear all the games, including Westwood One coverage, here on KLWN this week. Westwood One stuff also at KLWN.com. The KU games themselves, just here on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, and our sister station, 1059 KISS. For Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. Have a good rest of your day. Rock Chalk, talk to you Monday.